For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. Luckily, Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbine to bring you MyNewHorse.com as your one-stop shop for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Visit MyNewHorse.com. You're listening to Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. (laughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation, removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity, so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed, the horses sleep, the day's work done, the chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds, drift off to sleep, and close your eyes. It's time for us to turn down for the night. Now let's breathe in, breathe out, and turn off the light. One more time, breathe out, breathe in. Now let us begin. In last week's episode, we learned that the BB family cat had her kittens, but Misty still hasn't had her foal. Grandpa and Paul are taking Misty all the way to Pokemoke to see what we can do to meet the foal. Let's find out. Chapter 15. Grandpa Makes a Deal Dr. Finney was a big man, outwardly calm, but his face looked as if it knew patience and pain. What do you think, sir? Paul asked as they stood with Misty in the paddock. Well, to be frank, she's a little too heavy, Paul. That is, for one so fine-boned. And that's never a good time like this but we will pull her through. Misty shouldered her way into the center of the group, ears listening and questing as if she were part of the conversation instead of the cause. The doctor put a gentle hand on Paul's shoulder. Misty won't be lonesome here, he said. In the next stall, she can neighbor with Trinita a well-bred trotter, and my boy David can comfort her and take your place for the time being, he added quickly. Just then, Dr. Finney's son came racing out of the house. Paul almost hated the boy on sight, for Misty trotted right up to him, sniffing curiously. Dr. Finney, Paul said urgently, Couldn't I stay here, please? Grandpa answered before the doctor had finished, clearing his throat. 
If you could be of help, me and Doc will both say yes. But you're needed over on Shinkatigue. Lots of mopping up to be done, and you volunteered as an able-bodied man. Remember? Still, Paul could not bring himself to go. He slid his hand under Misty's mane, scruffing his fingers along. Dr. Finney, he asked, would it be a good idea for us to get a nanny goat just in case? The doctor was about to say it wouldn't be necessary. Then he saw the troubled look on the boy's face. Better, he thought, to keep him busy instead of worrying. It wouldn't hurt at all, Paul. Many breeding stables keep a goat for that very purpose. By the way, he turned to Grandpa, you must know Buck Jackson from Shinkatique. Grandpa flinched. Yep, I know him. Sells goat's milk. Well, he's delivering a flock of goats to Girdle Tree today, and I'm to give him a health certificate. If you'd like to buy a nanny, I'll ask Buck if he can spare one. But you'd have to keep her at Pony Ranch, because I'm short on space. Grandpa shrugged helplessly. It's just me against the world, he said, half joking, half in earnest. Then he stared down the highway in amazement. A shining white truck was barreling along toward them. Now it was slowing, and in big black letters on its side, Grandpa made out the words, Buck Jackson Delivery, Goat's Milk. With a screeching of tires, the truck turned into the driveway and came to a stop. A big-shouldered man jumped down from the cab and opened the tailgate. Hi, Paul and David, he called. Hi, Doc. Hi, Mr. Beebe. Hi, Misty. Heavens to Betsy. I didn't expect a welcoming committee. Misty and Paul and David were first to peer inside. The two boys were suddenly friends, buyers, judging an odd assortment of goats. Grandpa stuck his nose into the truck and sniffed noisily. I just don't like them, he insisted. They smell from here to kingdom come. To me, a polecat smells prettier. But Paul was ecstatic. They can't help it, Grandpa. And besides, someone needs to play with Misty now that Skipper's gone. She'll have her colt, Grandpa reminded. Paul wasn't listening. I like that brown nanny with the little white kid. So do I, David agreed. And if I was your Grandpa, I'd let you have the whole truckload, he offered generously. Who says I want to sell any? Buck Jackson asked. That did it. Grandpa was a born trader. Buck, he said. There's lots of goats over to Shinkatig, some nicer than yours. Cy Eustace has a whole flock, and Ben Sykes has. No, they don't anymore. Not since the storm. Grandpa ignored the interruption. 
But since my grandson has took a fancy to that brown one and her kid, what do you take for the pair? Buck winked at Doc Finney. I'll take Misty and her unborn. Now Grandpa's blood was up. Quit your joking. Who says I'm joking? In the waiting silence, Misty poked her head inside the truck and gave the brown goat a friendly headbutt. Misty came right back, asking for more. I give up, Grandpa sighed. He pulled out his ancient leather purse and began fumbling inside, transferring bits of string and wire to a pocket. At last, he held out a much-folded $5 bill. This may seem mighty little to you, but horse-keeping ain't what you'd call profitable. Here, take it. Buck Jackson chewed on his toothpick, thinking, If I didn't say yes, he said at last, even Misty here would hate me. It's a deal, Clarence, and I'll even throw in a bale of hay. The transaction was quickly completed, but even with the nanny and her kid in the pickup, Paul didn't find it easier to say goodbye to Misty. Don't ride her, he cautioned David. She's going to have a cult. I know she is, David replied in disgust. Everybody knows that. Doc Finney held on to Misty's halter. Don't you worry, Paul. I'll sleep in the stall next to her, and I'll stay within sight and sound during her foaling period. You promise? I promise. It was almost dark when Grandpa and Paul crossed the state line back into Virginia. Trade and what's my appetite, Grandpa confided to Paul. What do you say we stop by Wallop Station and have some nice, hot Red Cross food with Grandma and Maureen? What about our goats? Shouldn't we hurry home and put them in the hay house with Billy Blaze and Watch Eyes? They gotta get used to being with horses. Grandpa wasn't listening. A flicker of a smile crossed his face. Don't interrupt me, son. My mind's turning over important thoughts. The refugee room looked much the same, except for more cots and more people. And it still smelled of old rubber and leather and steamy woolen socks. As the family sat down at the long table, Paul whispered to Maureen, I like the smell of goats better than people, and we got two, a nanny and a kid. Oh, Paul, how beautiful. They're not beautiful. They're really kind of funny looking with their eyes so different from horses. I know. They're bluey yellow and they look glassy like marbles. Paul and Maureen could hardly eat for all they had to say to each other. Misty's at Dr. Finney's, Maureen. She can't keep on postponing forever and she can't go on living in Grandma's kitchen. Ain't healthy and airy for her. And besides, besides what? 
I overheard the doctor say there could be complications. Grandma and Grandpa were deep in conversation too. Grandpa seemed to have forgotten he was hungry. Itty, he said, Pony Ranch is now the owners of a nanny goat and her kid. A billy kid at that. It's got whiskers as long as your sea captain ball. Clarence Beebe, don't you talk like that. I'll not have you comparing my father to a billy goat. Oh, come on now, Itty. I'm just being jokey. Besides, your father smelled real good of tobacco and things. By the way, he asked, trying to appear casual. You and Marine had your arm scratched against the typhoid? Grandma nodded. Good, I'm terribly glad. Why, is the typhoid raging? No, but I need you at home to help me with what I have to do. What's that? Grandma asked in alarm. I've got to make sure that all the ponies on Shinkatig and Assateeg are taken care of. Oh, oh my. But they told us that women folk can't go home right now, regardless. I know they say so, Grandpa's eyes crinkled with his secret. But I say the Lord helps them as helps themselves. Grandma looked at him questioningly. Itty, how'd you like to... Like to what? Grandpa sopped up some tomato gravy with a chunk of bread and ate it slowly, enjoying Grandma's impatience. Then he leaned close to her ear. How'd you and Maureen like to be smuggled home right now? Are you serious? Grandma beamed. Serious as a cow at milking time. Why, mercy me. I'd feel young and chipper doing a thing like that. You would? Yes, I would. Even if you had to hide in the back of a truck under a bundle of hay with goats eating through to you? Even if Grandma hurriedly left the table, motioning Maureen and Paul to follow. Don't ask any questions, she said. Just slip into your jackets and come along and leave our blankets on the cots. The people nearby looked up in surprise as the BB family put on their wraps. My husband has got some goats down in the truck he wants us to see, Grandma explained. But it's raining, Mrs. BB. I know, that's why we're bundling up, Grandma blushed. You see, my husband's like a little boy whenever he's got a new pet to show me. Chapter 16 Welcome Home, Prager. The night was dark and broody with no moon or stars, not a glimmer of light anywhere. A curtain of fine rain closed in the deserted parking lot. With a great heave, Grandpa hoisted Grandma up into the back of the truck. It's easier than loading Misty, he panted. 
Grandma was too excited to answer. Feeling her way in the dark, she pushed the goats aside, took off her headscarf, and sat down on it. She opened a clean handkerchief for Maureen, but Maureen ignored it, lost in delight over the little white kid. The motor made a roar in the night as the truck pulled out of the lot and headed for the highway. Almost there, Grandpa turned down a gravel lane, dimmed the lights, and parked. He and Paul jumped out and ran to the back of the truck. Hastily, they broke open the bale of hay and began shaking it over the stowaways. Maureen sneezed. Hay is dusty, Paul said. Might have known it, Grandpa snorted. No wonder Buck Jackson gave it away. Now, whichever of you sneezed, we can't have no more of that. If your nose feels tickly, just clamp your finger hard underneath it, and it won't happen. Before Paul and Grandpa got back into the cab, they looked around cautiously. No one was in sight. I feel like the smugglers we read about in Berlin, Paul said, sneaking the refugees to West Germany. It was only an hour and a half's ride to Schinketeeg, but with no one singing or laughing, it seemed more like half of a day. In silence, they rode past Rabbit Knoll Road and through Horntown and past Swansgut Road, and across the salt flats that led to the causeway. Almost at the end of the causeway, their headlights showed up a temporary guardhouse. A soldier with a rifle came out and flagged them down. He shone his flashlight into the cab of the truck. Hi there, Mr. Beebe, he grinned in recognition. Hi, Paul. How's Misty? She's still all right. Paul replied. The guard flicked off his flashlight and leaned one arm on the lowered window. He seemed hungry for talk. Funny thing, he said, about the telephone calls coming in from all over the countryside. Most of them are from children. It's not folks they're worried about. It's the ponies, especially Misty. He laughed. She's their prime concern. Mine too, Paul said. Unmindful of the drizzle, the guard went on. By the way, how is everyone over at Wallops? Grandpa coughed. They're all hankering for home. Well, maybe it won't be long now. The mayor got through to Washington and they're sending four big copters tomorrow to work with you and Tom on lifting out all the rubbish. In the routine manner, he went around to the back of the truck and flashed his light inside. Any stowaways? he asked jokingly. Grandpa matched the joking tone. Yep, we've got two. After an interminable silence, the soldier's laughter filled the night. Well, I'll be a Billy Goat's whiskers if you ain't got a nanny in her kid. How's the missus gonna like that? 
I figure she's gonna feel mighty close to him, Grandpa chuckled. Why? How's that? Suddenly, Grandpa panicked. The sweat came cold on his forehead. He cut off the dash light so his face would be in the dark. He couldn't speak. Paul came to the rescue. We bought them for Misty's colt, he explained. Supplementary feeding, you know? The guard snapped off his light and tweaked Paul's ear. You got a bright boy here, Mr. Beebe. Good night, folks. You can move on for now. Home was clammy and cold, and it had a stench of fish, and the bedroom rug with the roses was wet as a sponge. But it was home, and wait a minute was there with a wild welcome, turning somersaults, then flying round and round like a whirling dervish. This floor is like walking on mucilage, Grandma said. But no matter how messy, there's just no place like Pony Ranch. Maureen sighed in agreement, then added shortly, Even without Misty. You forget, Paul corrected. There's still Watch Eyes and Billy Blaze and the mares in the hay house. And, Grandpa added with a crooked smile, Wings' herd is up at Tom's place, and with Misty expecting, and two goats and five cats, we've got a farm again. Grandma, Maureen cried, what's happened to the back of your dress? Grandma swished her skirt around. Her eyes widened. The whole back from the waist down was gone. Why, whatever in the world, she gasped. Paul and Maureen began to shriek in laughter. The nanny goat. Like I said, Grandpa roared, Mrs. Beebe will always feel mighty close to that nanny. Grandma flounced to the drawer where she kept her aprons. In pretend anger, she took out two. I'll just wear them both, she said, one fore and one aft. There was so much to be done before bedtime. The ponies in the hay house needed to be grained and watered, the nanny and her kid to be tended to, kindling to be brought in, and late as it was, Grandma got down on her hands and knees and scrubbed the floor with vigor and strong naphtha soap. When she had almost finished, Maureen, muddy but radiant, sloshed into the back hall. Guess what, Grandma? What now? Grandma asked without looking up. Her lips were set in a thin line as she carefully pushed the basket of kittens back under the stove. Now what are you so tickled about? Feel my pocket, mice. No, Grandma. Guess again. Probably some toady frog or lizard. No, no, feel. Grandma wiped her hands on her apron and poked a cautious fingertip into Maureen's pocket. 
she touched something smooth and curved. Smiling, she reached in and brought out two tiny brown flecked eggs. And there's two in my other pocket. I found them high and dry in Misty's manger. Grandpa and Paul came stomping into the back hall with armfuls of wood. What's there to eat? Grandpa shouted. I could swallow a whale. Grandma shook her head. Bread's moldy, milk sour. Only thing we got is four little bitty banty eggs. Why, they're good, Maureen said in a hurt tone. Course they are, honey. Grandma placed them on the table. Paul, you still got your boots on. Run out to the smokehouse for some bacon. We'll have a tiny fried egg apiece and plenty of crispy bacon. I'll put it in a skillet and have it spitting hot. When Paul had gone out, Grandma turned to Maureen and Grandpa. Now you two wash up so I can tell who's who, and for pity's sake, use that naphtha soap. If an I had any sense at all, I'd go around this house with a clothespin twigged onto my nose. Grandpa's face broadened into a grin. <laughs> a captain's daughter complaining about a little bilge water. Suddenly, Maureen shushed Grandpa and held up a warning finger. Listen. Faint and far off, like something in a dream came a sound like a dog's barking. Then it faded away and stopped. They all stood still, waiting, listening. For long seconds they heard nothing, only the clock hammering and the fire crackling in the stove. But there, it came again, louder this time, nearer, a gruff, rusty bark, and then three short yaps, familiar, beloved. In one stride, Grandpa was at the door. He flung it wide and a flash of golden fur bulleted into the room, skidding across the wet floor until it reached Maureen. Skipper, Skipper, she cried hugging him passionately and wildly. Grandpa and Grandma seemed to forget that they were grown. They let Skipper come leaping at them, let him put his front feet on their shoulders. Who minded muddy paws? Who minded the icy cold nose? Who minded the wet tongue swipes? And the tracked floor? Not even Grandma. Only wait a minute, hissed and spat at him. Everyone was laughing and crying and talking, all at once. Where you been, feller? I thought you'd been caught in a mushrat trap. I thought you'd drown for sure. Why, you're as strong as a tiger. And your coat's got a nice shine. Paul came in then. A wide smile spread across his face. He should be fat and shiny. He's been in the smokehouse eating his way through hams and salt pork. Grandma wiped her laughter tears away. He always was crazy on smoked meats, she said. 
Maureen buried her nose in his ruff. He's even got a smokehouse smell to him, she said. Remember, Paul? Last thing you did was go get a ham before we left on the helicopter. Grandpa went to the sink and plunged his face into the wash basin, making a sound like a seal. He came up bellowing. Skipper's a progger. What's that? Maureen and Paul wanted to know. Grandpa scruffed his beard, thinking. It's an old, old, old Shinkatique word. And it means, well, it just means someone is as smart enough to grab a living thing when it's dire bad. He cupped his hands around his mouth and boomed. Welcome home, you old progger. Thank you for joining us on Sleep Stories for Equestrians. We hope you enjoy this magical forest music as you drift off to sleep.